Welcome one and all to another episode of Left Turn Canada. Andy Burkowski, Christo Avalis here to bring you the latest news from a leftist perspective. We're talking about one, maybe two, but pretty much one big thing that's happened in the last week or so here in Canada. This trucker protest and convoy, the the nitty and gritty, the, the horrifying stories that we've heard of people who have been identified of supporting this movement's almost committing arson in some cases, threats yeah. of sexual assault against people in in Ottawa, and just kind of this moment here in Canada, what that is changing into. Fortunately, uh, since our last show, you know, a lot has gone worse, but a lot has gone better. Apparently, that injunction that was placed in Ottawa to stop the incessant honking has worked, and, uh, you know, residents there are saying, like, it's this yeah. is a huge godsend. Like, they're actually... Because they're going to get sued right yeah, like yeah. people brought a pro- yeah yeah it's a, people bought a, a, a basically a civil suit against the organizers mm-hmm. um you know on behalf of uh the class being um you know people living within a certain vicinity of the epicenter and uh, you know i think that that's been taken seriously enough that basically from 8 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. i don't think they honk anymore but yeah. i don't know how <laughs> i know it's not as bad but but it's still crazy down there we have to make like the, it's mm-hmm. still occupied uh, the mall downtown. We've talked about this. There's a there's a mall down uh, downtown Ottawa, you know, just at the edge, sort of at the Parliament area where a lot of these people are congregating. And that mall, I think, is closed again. A lot of businesses are closed, so you know, a lot of workers haven't been able to work. Um, it's still very much like a mess in Ottawa. Yeah. I don't, it, it's you know, it, this is not over, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not getting quite as much hour to hour attention but it's still the biggest news story in canada yeah absolutely and for good reason too because i think last week we were talking about this and at least maybe i was under the impression that this maybe wouldn't have as much of the staying power that it actually did that maybe this is you know this form of alt-right conservatism was going to fade out but there seems to be a core of possibly pretty dangerous people and some just deluded and not perhaps committing you know these these acts of what we would call crimes here in Canada but there is some real reported dangers and real crimes happening in these organizations that are supposedly fighting for this you know Canadian civil rights victory I don't know if you you saw in the last couple of days here Christo but the Canada Unity Memorandum of Understanding you know what I'm talking about here yeah, it's like basic, kind of like a manifesto-ish. Yes. Kind of uniting all of these these quote-unquote truckers in their mission. If like, you know, in a, a few paragraphs, it's like their mission statement, basically. And it's wild. It is, it is really wild. It, mm-hmm. it, like, fundamentally, it's about trying to remove the uh, liberal government, claiming that they're going to... Again, the language is is a little strange, as most manifestos are, but claiming that they'll work with the governor general to go around the House of Commons and kind of create their own government, all to make sure that these mandates are gone. There was some criticism against that, uh, and they have essentially, I think, tried to make some changes there. But it is kind of ludicrous because from the beginning... Krista, we have said, and so many others have said, we cannot begin to entertain the notion that this is a real labor movement protest. Many of the individuals there, yeah, many of the individuals there have actual grievances, but this is not, and it's important to deal with those. And we're going to talk about politicians today that actually are. Framing of this, right? You have to fight the framing of this. Because one of the idea is, is that, like, even if even if you accept the framing, oh, this is a truckers protest. Well, no, it's like there are truckers there, but they are not representative of the industry. Many of the truckers there, not all, are 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 owners of their trucks, mm-hmm. and or in some cases own small to moderate sized trucking companies. Which means it's not the McDonald's worker protesting it's the fucking franchisee protesting right yeah. like that's the the equivalency here in a sense yeah they're not we're not talking about jeff bezos in any case we're not talking the the owner of a you know a multi-billion dollar corporation out there but we are talking about like the petty bourgeoisie yeah. and not an actual proletarian movement uh, you know that 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 that's actually speaking out here and you know there's 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 been continued discussion 
about like how this is hiding workers' issues. And I mean, I just read one article today that, that again, th this movement does not represent the, the fact that 90 plus percent of uh, truckers are vaccinated. And if you look at the ubiquitous caucasity of the <laughs> leaders of this movement, they do not represent the fact that it's a diverse industry yeah. in Canada, right? Like there's plenty of white truckers, of course, but there's a lot of South Asian truckers in particular and, and a lot of truckers that have concerns beyond this. And I just, I really want to underline this. There's a few things people should read. There's a really good piece in Passage mm -hmm. that, uh, which, you know, we always talk about Passage. I've written for them, you know, three or four times. A really great piece in Passage on this issue that 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 that's talked about uh, the, the effect of uh, the propaganda and mm -hmm. how this has nothing to do with a working class movement. Uh, there's also a really good piece by Emily Leadham in uh, in Jacobin, which is, you know, primarily an American source. Uh, she works for Press Progress, another great source, talking about how this isn't a working class movement. And in many ways, it has connections to the United We Roll, which we talked about. That's not a surprise. It was a few years ago where there was another quote-unquote, like, truckers movement that was like protesting Trudeau. In this case, I think it was like pro oil industry, basically. <laughs> um, and they went to Ottawa and it was way overblown. Um, and many of those people that were involved in the United We Roll are you are involved in this. And those people not, aren't just ambivalent on working class issues, but have taken hostile stands towards workers and unions. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, in the CBC today, um, you know, to their credit, they don't always do. They don't. We criticize the CBC, but they did a, a series of interviews with uh, drivers in the Peel region. Uh, you know, in in, in the GTA, mm -hmm. um, where of course it's a diverse part of 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 uh, of an already diverse city. And I just want to read you this here because it really shows how this is ignoring both the social and economic realities of truckers. It says Arshdeep Singh, thirty years old, is also a trucker. Oh, sorry. I'll read this out. Um, Saudi is part of the Najuan Support Network, a grassroots organization in Peel that aims to help international students and other young workers dealing with, with treatment and exploitation. The group has been highlighting the issue of lost wages for truck drivers and other vulnerable groups for months. So again, we are talking about people that are here on temporary work. They might be new Canadians. They are people that are often exploited because people can get away with exploiting them. He says the Ottawa convoy is missing a crucial opportunity to talk about companies that get away with misclassifying truck drivers as contractors so they don't have to give them things like overtime pay and benefits. Arshdeep Singh 30 is also a trucker and a member of the support network. He says truckers also deal with threats of deportation from employers who send them out on long assignments despite rough weather conditions and lack of rest. These are the issues that have been here in the last 10-15 years. I do not know why the government is looking at these issues. So, what happens here is you have these fucking ghouls in Ottawa, and by that I mean both Justin Trudeau and the convoy, mm -hmm. totally ignoring the workers' issues, right? Which yeah. are about lost wages, poor wages, and systematic discrimination yeah. against vulnerable populations. Worker safety, like fundamentally yeah. worker yeah. safety, yeah. Yeah, and workers' dignity. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, this white nationalist, at least white nationalist sympathetic, if not outright white nationalist, truckers convoy isn't going to give a damn about these things because some of the people are literally the bosses exploiting <laughs> these workers or they're the exact same types of people that would say get the hell out of canada yeah. you're stealing my job get the hell out of canada you know uh take off that turban whatever right it's these types of people mm -hmm. right the anti-immigrant types and so like it's total astroturf and it's fucking sickening yeah. to see all of these people like just be like, oh, you just don't understand the working class <laughs> or you just don't understand like that. This is an organic working class protest. A lot of like American edgy leftists, uh, you know, because they, they hate vaccines or whatever, have really shown themselves to be like giant dum-dums. Yeah. Giant fucking dum-dums. You know, the, you know uh, the Jimmy Dore types and, you know, who are just watching Tucker, like Tucker Carlson yeah. on this and just taking like all of those words for like, for fact, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like there, there's no accuracy there. Like I, I really, I want to like, I, it's, it's, 
Man, I don't even know. I know I'm, I'm rambling right no, now. No, no, no. I like, think, I think God, right? it's important. Like, it is right. really, really important. That statement you said, I think, should negate the hundreds, if not thousand articles that have been bred of this, a lot from right-wing media outlets in the United States and pundits that are looking for chum in the and water. And Donald Trump, yeah. fucking Trump, has commented on this. Like, and Trump. Uh, governors, governors, uh, governors, Ron Jordan DeSantis Peterson, and, everyone. Yeah, Ron DeSantis and... Uh, Greg Abbott, the governors of Florida and Texas, respectively, the mm-hmm. two biggest, uh, two of the four biggest states and the two biggest Republican states, um, and um, two guys that are, are considering presidential runs in 2024 uh, have come out and basically yeah. supported the rally. And, you know, it, it's, yeah. And just what you said there, yeah. like it simply put, if this includes at least an observable way, those who would negates and hurt others in their profession and doesn't include the needs of the actual workers that doesn't include the things that were mentioned there it just is not a workers movement protest just because it's a protest and they happen to be workers of this grouping doesn't mean it is that and the fact that they refuse to be any sort of not even a nuanced look but just a second glance for a second shows that this is something that is not designed to actually be about workers. Like, I think it's important to to examine a few things about the this phenomenon that's happening here. Firstly, at least for me, is looking at how dangerous it is. That's a big loaded term. And at first, I didn't really yeah. think there was you know, too much of a danger just because it was so many people that were flouting these these ideals that were so simple and and stupid and racist and, you know, just honking yeah. their horns in. A and there wasn't rally. like an immediate attack on Parliament. Like, yeah. like people were fearing a January 6th situation where, you know, they were going to start smashing the doors of Parliament or whatnot. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, uh, yeah. I, but I, I get think that's saying. changed yeah. for me. Like, I, I do yeah. think yeah. after the last week, yeah. we have seen incidents and we set it off the top of attempted arson of like uh dozens of uh instances of people claiming sexual assault and assault threats in and around these regions like they really have taken a stranglehold with a small amount of people relatively speaking and are able to commit terror to the, the those that are living there not just by honking horns but by really digging in and causing a danger and I think that is something that we didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily anticipate and that people are now aware of what do we do with that danger? We'll we'll go to that in a second. The the second part that I think is really important is to examine how this movement is getting support. It is a scary thing to note that here in Canada, if you say a certain few words and spout ideals that are similar to the right and the alt-right in throughout North America, you have a platform to possibly get millions of dollars from American sources that they cannot identify that are designed to be anonymous to support whatever sort of, you know, protests that you want to do now that we know they're actually, you know, quite dangerous. And the thing that scares me about that and kind of also makes me laugh is this idea that every, this is every conservative's like biggest fear that someone could have this unbridled support from corporate interests to enact these sorts of changes. It just happens to be happening with conservatives who are doing this. And and the idea that this is our new reality, that there's this pipeline of funds that support some really dangerous people here in Canada through the United States, that's a future I'm not sure we can address. Like, I do know that they have made some changes to try to make sure that um, the GoFundMe was removed because there was some illegal activity there. But I, I don't think it's yeah, as simple Yeah, but it wasn't that. removed for the fact that there was big money coming in yeah, from a foreign Not for source, that right? Like, that's the thing. It got, it got removed because they were literally doing crimes, yeah. right? Like, if the rallies stay legal and, and fully peaceful and all of that, the GoFundMe likely would have released the entirety of the money and, mm-hmm. and frankly probably would have been right to do so because there wouldn't have been anything violating their terms of service, right? Yeah. It's like GoFundMe is like you can't fundraise to like facilitate crime, obviously, mm-hmm. right? They don't want to get sued and they don't want that to be their 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 explicit business model. Yeah. Um, you know, GoFundMe exists for one reason above all 
to be healthcare for Americans. <laughs> like that's like that, that, that's like that's and that's, apparently that's secondary to support conservatism yeah. and in Canada now too. Like it yeah. is fascinating to yeah. see how this is changing and this this hellscape that we live in in these late stages of capitalism. But I, I do think the dangers are pretty real fundamentally for people that are in the immediate vicinity and the dangers just generally for what this means for these sort of protest movements. The fears that conservatives conservatives actually have of what the left wing is doing is really what's happening for the right. So I, I don't know. Is there anything you want to add just about the dangers before we move to, you know, how people have uh, been addressing well, them? Like people have literally been assaulted, right? This is not yeah. this is not theoretical. So one, we do have an instance uh, and this has been it's like it's not confirmed yet. We still don't know all the information, but what we do know is some people that uh, were, were were purported to be associated with the convoy. I don't know if they're actually truckers. I don't believe they're top organizers. Went into a, a you know uh, a residential building in Ottawa uh, and started a fire and then taped the door shut. Mm-hmm. Jesus, eh? Yeah, they taped the door <laughs> shut. To prevent people from getting in or getting out, right? Yeah. With an effort to commit mass murder. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about mass murder here. That's what we're talking about. Now, that's like the worst. Um, they were buffoonish about it because some guy walked by, saw what they were doing, was able to still open the door and and put the fire out, but like people almost died, right? Mm-hmm. And more common, uh, less serious, but much more common is like... Um, the 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 reality that um you know a lot of people are walking down the street in yeah. Ottawa and just getting like like literally pushed or yelled at or like attacked and and and, and because they're wearing masks mm-hmm. or they're you know like I have a, 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 a at least a few you know Twitter friends people that I know primarily through Twitter of course I won't mention their names who have said who have said on 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 social media you know I was walking down the street coming home from work whatever and uh, a few of the, the the convoy people saw me I was wearing my mask uh, and they and they pushed me mm-hmm. uh, some uh, uh, I, I believe like a small ice cream shop in Ottawa made the decision to close uh, due to the convoy because one of their workers was assault was assaulted on the mm-hmm. way to work yeah right we have other instances both in Toronto because they had a, a, a a, a, a protest in Toronto. They've had some uh, some smaller convoy protests outside of Ottawa. Uh, people being told not to wear anything that marks them as a healthcare worker, because healthcare workers are seen as the enemy of the convoy. Because of course they want you to not die. Uh, yeah, that and sounds so, like a workers' rights movement, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right. So, like nurse, if you're like a nurse or a doctor or whatever, and you're you yeah. know you're wearing your scrubs, you might have your mask on. You're ready to go to work, save some lives, um, you know, all of that. Um, they they were saying, well, no, just 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 you know, dress in your dress dress in your regular clothes until you get to work, uh, because you may be unsafe uh, in the vicinity of some of these these convoy people. And mm-hmm. so like in, in a very real way that's happened. There's also been some reporting. This hasn't been confirmed either uh, that, you know, uh, people have been uh, harmed because uh, ambulances and other things have had it dif- found it more difficult to move around Ottawa uh, in light of all the blockades. Um, you know, that's, um, maybe less of a deliberate thing. These other things we've been talking about are like a deliberate assaults, but you know, it's the consequences of this occupation and like even other things too, um, you know, in, uh, in, uh, the, that particular part of Ottawa, like that downtown Ottawa core, there's a large LGBTQ, you know, uh, mm-hmm. IA plus population, um, and there's been more than a few people who have said that, uh, folks who have had, you know, some kind of pride sign, like maybe a, uh, a pride flag in their window, they fly a pride, pride flag near their home, have, um, had these people defecate on their front porches and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause it, uh, again, this isn't a truckers movement. This is a hate movement mm-hmm. and it's not just about vaccines. It's also about, uh, anything associated with their conceived notions of the left whether it's LGBTQ issues yeah. or or any other kind of equity issue. So the harm is is real. Everything from minor vandalism to literal attempted murder and everything yeah. in between. And so like, considering yeah, that, that yeah. this is a real 
And, and you know, I, you don't want to compare it too much. And I think we, we might get into that a little bit more as, as we talk here to the events of January 6th in the United States and, you know, how real that threat was to the people there and then also to the general themes of democracy and things like that. But I think right now what we're seeing, it's very if you're suggesting it's not a it's not a threat and it's not a direct danger to people right now, what's happening in Ottawa and Toronto and other places in Canada, then I think you're being disingenuous. Like, it's important to note that. So the next step well, is. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, we have like this idea here and this is like something we could talk about is that by and large, the convoy has failed to win over the hearts and minds of the people. Like, I don't want to just give all polling, but there's a few things here. Um, there, uh, Abacus and some other pollsters have, you know, because this is so critical, they've done some polling on this, uh, and they found that in general, people are not supportive. Uh, but this is a really interesting one. Uh, I think it was Legier did a poll, and they asked a series of questions uh, and you didn't have to just pick one, but it was like, do you agree with the question as stated? And so uh, encouraging maybe for the truckers, it says I am vaccinated, but I do sympathize with the concerns and frustrations by people involved with the protest in Ottawa. And that has 44% support. And some people, 44% also say that the prime minister and premier share some blame for the Ottawa protest because their condescending attitudes towards people who disagree with them. That also has 44, but it gets worse for the truckers where it says the convoy is scary as it reminds me of the storming of the Capitol building mm. in Washington, January 6, 2021, 52% of Canadians. 57 say the convoy on Ottawa is not about vaccine mandates and pandemic restrictions. It is an opportunity for far right wing for right wing supremacist groups to rally and voice their frustrations about society. That's 57 and 65. And this is the the one that shows that in general they're losing. The convoy is a small minority of Canadians who are selfishly thinking only about themselves <laughs> and not about the thousands of Canadians who are suffering through delayed surgeries and postponed treatments because of the ongoing pandemic. <laughs> and so in general, they're not winning people over, right? Yeah. They're not, right? Like, yeah, it's the, there, there is a sizable part of Canada, a sizable part of Canada that does support these truckers, but there are not a majority and if anything, their support has fallen in the last week, because while maybe some people supported them, you know, going to Ottawa for the weekend and protesting on Parliament Hill, which, of course, a lot of people do. I've been to my fair share of protests. Yeah. They're not necessarily in favor of Nazi flags. And again, we have to be clear, like their 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 demands are not simply uh, we want an end to mandates. They're they're literally calling for the for the governor general to like overthrow the government. <laughs> we're doing right? a junta like, here. Is, like it's we're yeah. we're getting rid of the government in this way. Yeah, like, yeah. They want to do like a literal coup, right? Yeah, like, yeah they yeah. haven't been violent in the sense that they have you know uh, smashed bricks into uh, the parliament buildings, and you're not you haven't seen the trucker protesters, the convoy protesters, is sitting in the uh, in the throne in in the House of Commons or the mm -hmm. Senate like you did on January 6th, where you, you saw them in like Pelosi's office and in the Senate hall and all of that. But like, that's their goal in a sense, right? Yeah. And I would even say, and I would hazard a, a guess here that for me, it is much more damaging to have this group of, I would say pretty safely, mostly deranged individuals who are, you know, gathering up supplies, who are gathering up gasoline in different areas, who are terrorizing this one uh, group, this one area of, of Ottawa for now over a week and, and getting more and more militant. For me, looking in on that, you know, as much as I do think there was, you know, there is some real damage to what happened January 6th in the United States, what's happening right here in Ottawa is hurting a lot of people, maybe for a longer period of time. So we do have to address this. And I think the way that we initially wanted this to be addressed was through political actions. We wanted to see what leaders had to say about this. And up until I think it was uh, yesterday at the time of recording, we had not really heard a peep 
from Justin Trudeau, despite them being on his doorstep. We are, in the first week, we heard from a lot of conservative leaders that were meeting with the convoy that have since, you know, really rolled back and said, you know, I, I don't support this anymore. We have heard in the time before we heard from Justin Trudeau, we did hear from Jagmeet, who had great things to say. One of the most recent uh, tweets that he was pushing here as uh, looking at actual truckers that are being affected by this and saying, Saying, these are the truckers that got us through this pandemic, kept food on our tables and our families safe. Now they're being held hostage by traffic backups at major borders crossing across Canada. These are the real working class heroes. I'll never stop fighting for them. So a real yeah. like just a, a great, great statement. We finally yeah. did hear from Trudeau. And, you know, I'll play a little bit of that now. I uh, speak in the House of Commons this week while they were discussing uh, some of these emergency changes that needed to happen. These protesters, they're not the story of this pandemic. They are not the story of Canadians in this pandemic. From the very beginning, Canadians stepped up to be there for one another, to support their neighbors, to support their elderly, to support our frontline workers, by doing the right things, by wearing masks, by getting vaccinated, by following public health restrictions. We're all tired of this pandemic. We're frustrated, we're worn down, none more worn down than our frontline health workers who've been going flat out for two years. But everyone's tired of having to wear masks, having to follow public health restrictions. Families like mine just last week that test positive, you know, have to follow public health rules, have to isolate themselves. Nobody wants to do that. I don't know how many conversations parents have had to have with kids about not going to birthday parties, but not getting to have sleepovers. This pandemic has sucked for all Canadians. But Canadians know the way to get through it is to continue listening to science, continuing to lean on each other, continuing to be there for each other. I mean, so, it's not the worst thing he's ever not. said, right? It, no, like Trudeau is not, he, he's not wrong on this one like he's been wrong. Like, for example, I praised him early on when it, people are like, are you going to meet with the truckers? He's like, no. And I was like, good. You're like, he shouldn't meet with them. Their, their, their demands are not legitimate. They have a legitimate right to protest. Mm -hmm. And just because we disagree with them doesn't mean they don't have a right to protest. But the government also doesn't need to legitimize every single protest with like the literal prime minister or a cabinet minister or yeah. whatever meeting with them right like there's especially a when they between... depose the government like when their exactly. actual demands are are so like that would call for you losing your job and elected officials no longer holding their positions yeah like of course not that's insane yeah but in general the leadership on this has come from the ndp 100 the liberals by and large have been pretty quiet uh one liberal mp uh what's his name yeah i got um, him here he's uh he's an interesting light bound yeah, who, who just came out and basically said, like, oh, Trudeau needs to, like, be more conciliatory to the, uh, to the, uh, to the, the other side. Uh, Joel Lightbound is saying that they need to, you know, be more unifying. Uh, but by and large, the liberals have been fairly quiet. The mm -hmm. NDP's been the leader on this, 100%. Uh, yeah. Both Jugmeet has been the only federal leader to consistently, you know, speak on this and actually give it the attention that it deserves. Um... And has, you know, made it clear that this is unacceptable what's happening to workers. Uh, earlier today, there was a, a, a person on Twitter who um, did a, uh, uh, who uh, mentioned that Jugmeet Singh held a call with citizens, workers, and small business people from in and around the affected area. And they said, uh, until now, I don't feel like I've been heard. This is uh, from a Twitter account, uh, a, a person named Alana saying, this morning I was invited to a community call with Jugmeet Singh and other individuals and small business owners most affected by the occupation in Ottawa. We had the opportunity to share experiences and feelings, and it was the most heard I felt all week. So Jugmeet is doing a lot of that work. 
Uh, you've seen people like Matthew Green and other mm. NDP MPs be very proactive in calling out the fascism. One thing that the NDP has done, which I think is important, I don't, but I do have a caveat, is that they've been pointing out more than the other parties, the clear foreign effect here, how this is being driven at least uh, both through financing and through media amplification, the mm -hmm. far right within the United States, including uh, Donald Trump. But the reality is that, um, you know, we don't want that to t subtract from the fact that, you know, even if there was no American influence, that Canada still has plenty of Nazis uh, yeah. to do their thing. But, um, you know, we've also seen from Peter Julian, uh, an NDP MP from B.C., uh, put out uh, a private member's bill, I believe, with Heather McPherson, an NDP MP from Alberta, calling for the banning of the swastika uh, and the Confederate flag and I believe certain KKK symbols, uh, which is good to see. Of course, you're always wary about these symbol, these laws being used in a way that have unintended consequences, but, um, you know, fuck fascism, fuck the Confederacy, uh, fuck the KKK. I I'm not one of these, like, Oh, we got to defend free speech for everybody because if we don't, they'll come after us. No, I, I don't care. B ban the swastika. Like, look, the, the NDP's response hasn't been perfect, of course. Um, they, 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 there, there needs to be uh, a, a, some also some more focus on material conditions. But mm. in general, uh, only the NDP has shown leadership on this. There's also been some good responses for some unions. Some unions have come out and, and, and spoke on this, one being the Teamsters. The Teamsters represents a lot of people that are truckers and a lot of transportation workers, and they've come out basically saying that this movement does not represent us or the working class, um, which, is, which is good to see. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see that if that team's yeah and, and while you're looking for that i think uh you know locally here in ontario again ndp andrew horvath uh coming out strong and really calling doug ford to task he has said some things on this but there really hasn't been you know a strong unified message about what the government wants the things that he has said is that you know we need more cops which we're going to get into when we try and deal with how we actually solve this so uh, yeah ndp leader andrew horvath saying today that Premier Doug Ford should strip protesting truckers in Ottawa of their commercial license and registration as an incentive to pack up and go home. So yeah, I think I'm also that, fine with that too. Like I like yeah, I'm, that's strong. Point, that's that's good. Point, like yeah. if you're doing damage, if like we've already yeah. established, this is a real danger not only to these ideas of democracy, but to the people living in that area and outwardly. If you're a trucker and this is you know what you're doing and you're hurting your profession, we've heard those of the the actual profession no don't want you to be a signifier anymore so you should be gone but i doubt we're gonna see that move uh from forward on this anyways you're talking about unions yeah yeah well the teamsters who again represent a lot of uh, probably one of the unions that best represents this sector it's not always a one-to-one -one where the president of the teamsters canada francois laporte put out a message saying the real enemy for truckers is COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Teamsters Canada is proud. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Uh, Teamsters Canada is proud to represent over 55 professional drive, 55,000 professional drivers from diverse industries across the country, approximately 15,000 of which are long haul truck drivers, 90% of whom are vaccinated. The so-called freedom convoy and the despicable display of hate led by the political right and shamefully encouraged by elected conservative politicians does not reflect the value of Teamsters Canada nor the vast majority of our members and in fact has served to delegitimize the real concerns of most truck drivers today. <laughs> we firmly believe in the right to protest government policies and voice a wide array of opinions but what is happening in Ottawa has done more harm to Teamsters members be they truck drivers who are trying to deliver their loads or hotel, restaurant and healthcare workers who are intimidated, abused or prevented Man. from accessing their workplace by several protesters. So basically Holy what shit. they're saying... Chris, that is power like that yeah. should be added to every sort of conservative pundit that's doing talking about this at all because this is completely summarizing what the actual union officials and the workers actually believe very very well this does not represent them this is fucking hurting everyone like we're you're we're not the enemy here these people aren't the enemy COVID is you're not going to solve it by getting rid of these mandates like fucking stop right now like I, I, that's one of the most succinct responses I think I've heard from this entire issue. And I just wish that that could get a little more purchase because I, I, you said before that people 
generally aren't buying into, you know, these notions, but there are some percentages that are seeing this as like, you know what, we do have to end mandates and maybe tacitly, you know, showing some support in ways of these obtuse ideas of like that this represents workers' rights. I do think what you just said there and, and what we've covered here really does show that it fucking doesn't, but unfortunately, no, it that's doesn't not represent really... workers' rights at all. No. Yeah. And I mean, look, even and look, and I've said this on Twitter. Let's like let's be like super good faith when these Nazi fucks don't deserve it. But let's <laughs> be really good faith and let's suggest that this really is an organic, broad-based thing to oppose mandates, and it is being led not by you know trucker capitalists, but by actual working class truckers. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. Why are they only making demands about the vaccine? Like, why is it not, okay, we don't want a vaccine mandate, but also we want better wages and we're worried about road safety and we're worried about misclassification and we're worried about employers using new technologies to like spy us, spy on us as we pee and all these <laughs> sorts of things. Why are, why are those, yeah. dis- why are those not being raised? Why aren't they being raised? Right. And it's because it's right wing anti-worker bullshit. Because, look, there are some truckers out there who oppose the mandate and maybe they would organize. And there might be some truckers that are like, yeah, I don't want to get vaccinated and I don't want to have the government do that to me. And I don't want to have to blah, blah, blah. And I disagree with that. But like, but I'm also concerned about, you know, wages and benefits and, yeah. and, and pensions and, and job security. If COVID wasn't the, happening, their lives, many of these workers would still have really, really tough lives yeah, because like of it, the nature of the work. Right. Yeah. And so, exactly. It's not an easy job. It's mm-hmm. difficult. It's alienating. You're away from your family a lot. And like, yeah, it, 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 it can pay well, but it doesn't always pay well. Um, and, and, and the reality is like, there's no, there's no discussion about any of that. There's yeah. none about any of that right now. And so it's very clearly not about the workers. Because mm-hmm. again, even if the, even if there was broad opposition to vaccines among truckers, which again, there is not, but if there was, there would, this would not simply be the sole demand. Mm-hmm. It would not be the sole demand, but it is the sole demand because it's not about the workers and they're putting people in danger. Like even if yeah. there's so many instances where even if everything was going the exact opposite of how it's going right now, it still wouldn't have the legitimacy that apparently, you know, so many of these pundits in the United States are lending it like it's just so backwards. It's so disconnected and it's deliberate. Like, I, I think that's also very important that the people who are saying, I think a majority at least, are saying that this is about workers' rights and freedom. Like, they recognize that it isn't. It's just a way to complain that they believe is working oh, because their life can't be. Because it makes them sympathetic. Yeah. yeah. People aren't it's not, it. They know it's not true. They have to know it's not true. There's 15 different ways this isn't the right correct thing that they're saying that it's disingenuous so i just like i am tired of uh, trying to identify that the people who are like this you know the the fascist right wingers are not our enemy and are just stupid they recognize what this is it's intended to be disingenuous thankfully it's gone on long enough that like you said they are dwindling in you know many places that support in many places that they might have happened if this was just kind of a weekend thing but i i do think that we're not looking at this as clearly as maybe we should. It's not about workers' rights. That message is getting out there bit by bit. And it's not even really about mandates. Like, this is a thing of fucking hate. This is a protest of hate and, in many ways, a sense of privilege. Like, I I do think that if you can take off work for a week and a half, chances are you're in a better situation than the Southeast Asian truckers that are stuck behind your trucks trying to get through a border and you're supposedly doing this to help them too. Like, it's simple, it's stupid, it's racist, it's fucking dangerous and it's gonna hurt us continuously for a real long time and fortunately yeah so speaking of that let's, uh, let's talk let's here. talk uh yeah let's talk about uh the conservative leadership yes in okay way dangerous <laughs> so is gonna hurt people dangerous gonna hurt people so in the yeah. last week we have had you know our our man our boy that we we talked about so many times here i almost forgot his name o'toole is gone yeah, and now we, who, 
They're looking for a new leader. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. So they got rid of O'Toole. Uh, we, we recorded. Did we record? We recorded night just before. Bef- night just before. before that. So basically, what happened for folks who don't? The Conservative Party is somewhat unique in Canada, but not in the British world, like the British parliamentary world, of having like uh, that that system, which is that if you get a certain percentage of members of Parliament to sign a statement, kind of declaring non-confidence in the leader that can trigger a a vote of the entire caucus. And if the leader loses that vote, they are removed from the position, immediately replaced by an interim leader, and then uh, won't you know, a, a new leader will be elected by the membership as per usual. There'll be a leadership convention, you know, conservatives from across the country can vote, and the new leader will be selected. Um, and so what happened, Eric O'Toole, there was the, the letter went out, we talked about that, and he lost... Uh, I, I think about 60% of the caucus went against mm-hmm. him. It wasn't, of course, unanimous. He had uh, uh, he remained with a decent amount of support, but lost his job. And he was replaced by Candace Bergen, who is a uh, conservative MP from, I believe, Saskatchewan, certainly out west, uh, who is most famous for being uh, a homophobe, supporting <laughs> uh, or, you know conversion therapy, or at least... Uh, not supporting the ban of conversion therapy, which is, you know, those pray the gay away or pray the trans away camps that sometimes exist, uh, which are now illegal in Canada, um, and for uh, wearing a, a camo MAGA hat. Uh, yeah. And so that was a sign Real that, and, and of course, the interim leader generally doesn't run for the actual leadership, uh, to be fair, but uh, it, it is a potential sign that the party is going to move in a right-wing direction. And what we have right now is a is a pretty strong lean towards Pierre Polievre. We've talked a oh little boy. bit about on this. He's a relatively young guy. Um, is a uh, MP from Southern Ontario, uh, in in and around the Ottawa-ish region, and he is clearly the front runner, seen as somebody, especially on economic issues, who's like an unabashed conservative. Yeah, uh, a lot of people expected him. To run almost libertarian, really. Like he, he's kind of like a libertarian. Yeah. That's certainly how he's branded himself in yes, some ways. Yeah. Uh, although, like a lot of conservative libertarians, he's not without social conservative positions in some cases. Mm-hmm. But he's he's kind of that's how I think he's branding himself. Uh, and so he um, was expected by many to run last time, and was considering it, but sort of at the last minute, you know, before the race really kicked off and the field solidified, he said he wasn't going to run. Um, yeah. And so what we see from the initial polling is that he is the clear front runner, but it's not necessarily decided yet, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have uh, one poll here from Legier, uh of, of uh, asking only people who have voted conservative who they support. And there's a bunch of people uh, on the list, and he is at 26%, Ford at 10 Rona Ambrose, Doug Ford at 10 Rona Ambrose at six, Peter McKay, who again ran last time and failed. <laughs> Peter McKay. At five. Yeah. Damn. Um, Maxime Bernier at four. That's the PPC leader. Andrew Shear, I guess 4% want to bring him back. Patrick Brown, uh, current mayor of Brampton, the yeah. uh, PC leader before Ford at three. Brad Wall at three. Leslin Lewis, who uh, who ran a surprisingly strong third place or uh, campaign last time in the conservative leadership at three. And then Share Rey and uh, Chong all at one, one, and one. Uh, and so he's in a clear lead. 26% is simultaneously a strong lead, but also not. it's not done, right? Mm-hmm. 26% when you list that many names is actually pretty impressive. Because, yeah. like, you know, that, that like, as people drop off that list, you know, your, your, your total will rise as well. And so he has basically more than the... Um, <laughs> He basically has about the he has more than the Everyone second combined, through fifth yeah. combined, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and so he's in a strong position, uh, and he's gotten a lot of attention. His like announcement video, I think, on Instagram or on uh, had like three million views or something. Uh, uh, it was a, there. There is some intrigue there, but what's interesting is that um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement either way, at least in terms of polling yet. Uh, so in addition to that poll, which which shows that he is the clear front runner, although Peter McKay was the front runner at the beginning of the last conservative race and probably had a more commanding lead than that and ended mm-hmm. up losing, as we now know, um, it shows here that without Polyevra, uh, the uh, election would be 33% liberal, 29 conservative, 21 NDP. But with him, the liberals drop, the NDP rises, 
and the conservatives stay the same. Yeah. So that could be a couple indicating a couple things. One, um, different types of people like Polyevra than O'Toole, but they're, they're balancing each other out. So the, uh, the, with him in charge, the conservatives are gaining certain types of people mm. and losing others. Yeah. Uh, it could indicate that, um, you know, uh, it, it's just it's just status quo. Like, mm-hmm. like people don't care either way. They see him and O'Toole as the same, which I don't know if it's the case. And finally, uh, one option is that people don't necessarily know who he is yet. Like, you know, even even conservative voter uh, or uh, even, uh, you know, the, the general public, they don't necessarily yeah. know who he is yet. But again, this is a guy who who has to some degree and the conservatives have to to, to some degree really hitch themselves to the convoy. Mm-hmm. Right, like the, the this liberals, guy in particular, he's not he's not pushing back on this. Yeah, Bully he's met has with the, he, yeah, supporting he's, clearly. Yes, and so has uh, you know Candace Bergen. Mm-hmm. They've they've gone out there, and when they asked questions to Trudeau, it was sort of like, "Why are you dividing the country?" Which you know is, is at the very least sort of a tacit endorsement of the truckers, quote unquote truckers. Um, it's it's an interesting time because. It's very clear that they're, they they don't have majority support here, mm-hmm. right? It is like, interesting to think about the the cause of why O'Toole was kicked out. You know, it could be his ineffectiveness. It could be like just generally the this this dislike as a leader. Even though you know he hasn't really won anything, people still didn't like him personally. But it did seem like there was within the caucus a move for someone who is maybe a little more like Polyevra, someone who is at least more open about the ghoulish, horrible things that they believe and is less interested in the appeasement to moderation that O'Toole at least sometimes would go on. I mean, he kind of tried to do basically a, a Doug Ford uh, pantomime and kind of failed at it. Like he had the sneakers, but it it didn't really work. And the fact that Ford is only seen at 10% in this polling and Polyever is, you know, more than doubling that to me, maybe speaks to this idea that those within the conservative caucus and the voters on mass will kind of want the conservative party to lean more into that in your face conservatism, even though it should be said, almost all these people believe almost all the same things. Just it varies of how open they are and and how much they want to be, you know, uh, in the spotlight with their extremes and who they really believe the enemies are. I think almost everyone you said on this list absolutely sucks and believes absolutely shitty things. What do what do you take with this idea that um, maybe just conservative voters and, and conservatives in general want to follow in a more Trumpian way of representing their ideals. You know, we we had this in the United States, this phenomenon. Trump is still, and I really want you to speak on this because uh, you're the absolutely expert right now. You know, he does embody the Republican Party in, in many ways. Do you think that this poll and it is very early you know you think we could see something kind of similar here in canada with with what's happening with the conservative party well i mean polyevra in some ways doesn't represent that very well okay he kind of looks like a like a like a fucking nerd right and like i mean look I'm <laughs> he look, he's I'm a like charlie a, kirk motherfucker I'm he like, really I'm does not look like, like a that. chad or anything right but like <laughs> He is, you know, he's been an MP for, he probably ever is a young guy, but he's been an MP for a long time. Let me, yeah. Polly ever, and, and he looks young, right? Like, you know, and I could see that that has an appeal, but Polly ever is only 42. He's only 42 years old, which is about, I think it's slightly younger than when Trudeau, he'll be about the same age Trudeau was uh, when he became prime minister, if he was to win the next election. Mm-hmm. So he's in a similar age. He's been a, um, an MP since... 2004 which means he got elected very young right he got elected very very young um and so he's been a career politician he's almost been in parliament for a generation and he's 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 in his early 40s so he is a career politician and i'm not one of these like people that hates politicians i think politicians are are fine um you know uh i'm not judging him based on that but the reality is is that he's not like trump in that sense or even like the Fords, who you know mm. were on municipal politics but had never really led a political party, and out of nowhere, Doug Ford just sort of runs 
uh, for yeah. the conservative leadership, you never holding executive positions, and, it, he, and he wins, right? It's different. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have that that image. He's he kind of sounds like a conservative wonky type <laughs> rather than like a Trumpian. Like, well, you maybe know, that's like, the maybe that's yeah. why he's cuddling up with this trucker protest so much. Yeah. This quote unquote trucker protest because yeah. that those are the bona fides, right? Because he does say. Yeah horrible awful things like i i think that's important to say as much as he does come off as like a little nerd that you'll hear screaming about like sjw's like he definitely has that vibe more than you know a a local doug ford tough guy that represents etobicoke and has you know for the last 50 years the dynastic family like he's definitely a different breed but he does say a lot of the horrible right uh, polyevra a lot of the horrible right wing things that we see more so i think from the leaders that you mentioned in the united states than we do here in canada definitely more outwardly than ford even though like i said i really do believe there is a shared ideology of hate and destruction that most of these possible leaders do have you know if if he's not the right coloring on the outside if he doesn't have the right sheen polyevra could this you know horrible protest really push him more in that direction i guess just generally is that a concern for the conservative party you know we i think canadians have been worried about that ever since it was announced that trump was running you know how is this going to happen in canada there is some black and brown people that had to explain well no this has been happening in canada for a long time but to have a more public leader that is so outwardly terrible and believing at least some of the similar things of the the Trumpian movement, Republicanism in the United States, you know, could this be, is this a sea change or is this just, you know, a, a, a conservative nerd that's sitting in the hot seat and maybe trying to take a little bit of heat? What do you think would happen here? I mean, like in some ways, I, I looking at at least one pro-life group, they don't give him a very good score because I think yeah. he's trying to like, he's got like the, uh, I oppose abortion personally, but he's voted against certain anti-abortion laws. I don't think he's as purely social conservative as a lot of other right-wingers, but he's not a, you know, a, a, a you know, dyed-in-the-wool moderate. I think yeah. what he's going to do um, is run as like a libertarian type. Mm. Not necessarily Maxime Bernier levels of like Stephen Harperish kind but of like, thing. Maybe? No, no, not not Stephen Harperish. No, no, no. But he's he's going to run as like kind of like a bit of like I'm a cool conservative. That's mm. what he's going to try to do in that way, and maybe it'll succeed because he's young and different. Looking at the polling, it's interesting because there are various people sprinkled in there. Not everyone on this list is a traditional like right-wing conservative, right? Like Doug mm-hmm. Ford, you might put there. Rona Ambrose, though, is seen as a quote-unquote moderate. So is Peter McKay. They are second and third. Now, they don't have a ton of support, but they're there. And then you throw in someone like uh, Rate and Shade and Chong are also on the list. Those are also people seen as uh, quote-unquote, you know, moderate conservatives. And Michael Chong, I believe, has come out and criticized, he's an MP, mm-hmm. has criticized the convoy. And I don't think, I don't know if he's the only conservative MP that's done it, but I yeah. think he might be. I think people are excited be. about him too. I remember people always talk get excited him, about yeah. him, but he always he yeah. always he always gets like zero support. It's like <laughs> oh, it's like everyone's like oh, there's gonna be a, a principled Republican that's going yeah. to take on Donald Trump. It's like no, there's fucking not. No, no, there's not. And he's yeah. no, he's never like you know. You might get somebody again, like you might have someone like an O'Toole that's not a total ghoul, but mm-hmm. that is tolerable to the far right. Yeah, but like you know, and which is what happened because he was he was. He was seen as more conservative than, but they than kicked him out, care. right? So that's and they, what, that's and they, and they kicked question. him out exactly. Yeah. And so, um, I I I think that he's definitely a conservative. He's going to probably be anti-union and take those positions, but I don't know if he's going to take as much heat on social conservative things as, let's say, a more traditional, very very conservative, like if a Candace Bergen, the current interim mm. leader, was to run. Um, because she would, um, you know, be seen as a more traditional social conservative. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, like right now the polling shows that it's not like there's this groundswell for him in the country. There's no indication that um, he's causing people to leave the Liberal Party to vote for them. But nor is it seen as it's tanking things. But right now he's the favorite. Yeah. And he has tied his, uh, his wagon <laughs> to the convoy. Uh, and we'll have to see... 
if the conservatives get punished in the polls for that. Because again, uh, there was an abacus poll, like 62% of Canadians, they have to pick, oppose the, the convoy, and only like 20-some support it. And, you know, 10-15% of people are unsure. Yeah. Um, and that's not a good position to be in. Because that's basically like... That like, doesn't add up, right? Yeah, It doesn't add up. And I mean, if it's less than 30% support, it means that some conservatives also don't support the convoy. Yeah. Well, I, I, what do you think of the Ford number there, that it's only 10%? We spend so much time talking about him. And I, I felt mean, like for conservatives, he, he represented, you know, kind of what we're talking about here, that he yeah. would upend this, him against Trudeau. Like, this is a real working class guy. We know that's not true. He's a scion yeah. of a dynasty, just... Very, very similar to how Trudeau yeah. is. Like, if it was different circumstances, they'd be buddies. So, like, I, I am surprised, considering name recognition as well, that he's only at that 10%. I mean, that's probably why most of the other people there are established for the first five or six on the list. Yeah. Uh, most of them are established federal conservatives with some name recognition. So you got Polly Ever, obviously, uh, you know, he's 20s and he's, you know, he's been in politics for a long time. Rona Ambrose used to be the the, the deputy leader. Um, you know, uh, I think she was interim leader of the conservatives at some point. Very famous. A lot of people wanted her to run last time. Peter yeah. McKay, of course, uh, used to be a cabinet minister in the Harper government. Maxime Bernier, PPC leader now, but was second place. Uh, in the the previous one and was a cabinet minister under Harper and Andrew Shearer, of course, a recent leader. You have to go all the way down to Patrick Brown at three to get to a, a, a person that's not that's not kind of directly connected to the federal conservatives. But I believe, you know, Patrick Brown, it, it, you know, has, you know, long, deep roots within the conservative party. Yeah. And the only other primarily provincial known figure in that list is Brad Wall. And we have to remember, um, uh, Patrick Brown was a federal MP from 2006 to 2015. So he mm -hmm. served for basically the entire Harper government as a federal conservative, leaving only to become a uh, leader of the, to, to run provincially and then become leader of the, of the, of the uh, provincial conservatives until he, yeah. you know, was resigned and, and now is mayor of Brampton, of course. Resigned in but disgrace the, and then yeah, resigned pretended like he lived in Brampton. Of allegations of, impropriety with with young staffers and, yeah. and all of that uh you don't have time to get into that but the point is almost everyone on this list has deep roots and has spent years if not decades in parliament federal mm. with the conservatives brad wall's the only other person here that hasn't really he's at three percent and brad wall is sort of like a retired uh conservative premier very popular when he left uh, mm -hmm. Very popular. Uh, a lot of established of conservatives. He was a premier for 11 yeah. years and didn't even leave unpopular, frankly. Like mm. he kind of went out on top. He's a very successful politician. Um, and so um, he is, uh, he's likely um, seen as, as someone like that. So Ford being where he is, yeah, it's a little low, but um <sighs> he's a he's a it's a little low um and he um yeah ford's also got some limitations polyevra is fluently bilingual mm. a bilingual is maybe that doesn't matter to conservatives as much as it does to the general voting public but yeah. you know uh uh proficiency in french does matter and o'toole's french was decent and it was better than shears and you know even if it's just purely pragmatically you know ford doesn't speak french yeah. And that that will be that would be an issue because his French he I don't think he speaks French at all. It's not just that his French is insufficient like Shears, but he you know he can try. Ford is not Ford is not bilingual in any yeah. in, in any definition. Um that might be an issue. Hmm. That yeah. So um yeah. I think that's probably one of the reasons. It might also be the case that people are thinking right now that it's timing too, right? Timing matters too. Mm. Some people may have consciously said, well, I like Doug. He might even be my favorite, but you know, it's February, 2022. The leadership vote's probably going to be sometime later this year. Doug Ford is just currently running for premier in the summer mm. and the timing doesn't work. Whereas if yeah. this was uh, 2023, Doug Ford just won a majority government, let's say, God forbid, then that might have been, um, you know, he, he can leave his party strong with three years tall on an election 
and, and run with some momentum. Now, if he was to leave, it would be seen as him abandoning hmm. his party right before the election. And I mean, the, the conservative leadership vote could be in the fall. Um, and so he'll either have just lost an election and he's on the way out or he's just won. And it would be pretty weird for him to leave. There is a sim there is a historical precedent to that in 1948. The conservative uh, premier of Ontario, um, uh, George Drew, won a majority conservative government, but lost his own seat, which is very rare. Wow. Uh, that a leader, yeah, he lost <laughs> his own seat, um, and then uh, uh, the the sense was that they would um, just somebody would quit and he would run in a by election and win his seat back. That's what happened. Mackenzie King lost his seat, I believe, in either forty or forty five despite the liberals winning a majority um, and somebody just quit and he, and he got a seat like a few months later. Right. Mm, um, yeah. And so uh, they were going to do that, but he said, well, at that point he decided to take the plunge and run for the federal conservatives was successful, uh, but although never became prime minister uh, yeah. because he was deeply hated in Quebec. And so I uh, Ford Ford, but Ford's presumably going to win his Etobicoke seat again. Even if the conservatives lose, even if they lose big, he'll probably win his seat. Um, and, um, I think that it's um, yeah. I see the strategy. Unlikely, I see the right? thought process and the, so, the yeah. timing of it all, and, yeah. and who these so, other leaders are. So it does make sense, I guess. Yeah. So I do think he's the favorite, mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure uh, how that's all going to go down. We're, we're going to keep an eye on it. I definitely think that if if his social conservative bona fides are weak, right? Yeah. Um, if they're if they are seen as weak, and I don't necessarily think they are, but if they're seen as weak, that will open up ground to his right, right? Mm -hmm. Like that that is um, that will that will be an issue, right? Like like last time, I mean, like even look, you had Peter McKay, who was seen as the guy who's going to win it, um, and then they had uh, Aaron O'Toole who ran uh, as like I'm not a far right winger guy. But I'm like a true blue conservative. But then you had two people run to his right. You had Leslin Lewis, who was more libertarian-ish. And then you had Derek Sloan, who, of course, was like, you know, a monster, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, and then what happened was with, with this one, I assume you'll see something similar uh, if he can't actually uh, get it, right? Like right now, people don't know. The, the National Post says coronation or actual race strategist divided over whether to hand the conservative leadership to Paul Evra. Right. Like, you know, there are yeah. there are vulnerabilities. So this is what conservatives are saying. Um, so there's a desire to say maybe, um, you know, the conservatives have had uh, big leadership races. The 2017 one was like 13 people. Even the last one was only about four, but it was a pretty long, drawn out race. Maybe there is a sense that if they kind of just pick someone and get behind him, they can like. They can get to it quicker. Yeah. So Jamie mm -hmm. Ellerton, who's a conservative strategist, says uh, just to have a shorter campaign, uh, limit it to big names and like get it done. Um, but like, I'm not sure. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, people have said, if you just want to rush it, you're basically trying to sweep all the issues of the party under the rug rather than dealing it with it. I mean, right now, um, it's kind of started. The Global say Global reported Friday that the party had already sold thousands of memberships, a sign that the race is underway. Because again, the way you win these is you sign up members, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be a member of the party to win. The social conservative wing seems to have already thrown their support behind Leslin Lewis, who finished third last time in 2020. Pro-life organization right now confirmed to the National Post that they would 100% support her. So he does not necessarily have one of those people. This is another issue right now with with Polievre is that in some ways he's seen as like young and like a little bit libertarian-y and a little bit countercultural, but he's also seen as establishment. Because again, and, and rightfully so, he's literally been in parliament for like nearly half his life. Yeah. Right? For like 18 of his 42 years, he's been in parliament. Right? Uh, and so... <laughs> Right? Like, and yeah, again, yeah, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I don't care. Like, I'm not one of these people. I'm like, I'm like I don't care. I don't care. Uh, career politicians are, are, are no worse or better than anybody else. Like, Bernie Sanders is a career politician, and he's uh -huh. fucking badass. Pierre, <laughs> Pierre, Pierre, Pierre Polievre is a career politician, and he sucks, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so I think that right now, there may end up being a situation where he's seen as... He, he's not going to necessarily run as the most right-wing candidate. 
He's not really? going to run so as the most right wing candidate. So maybe he will be so. like this appeasement candidate. Maybe it will he just might be, be. Yeah. He might be. He clearly has a lot of support. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't well, know. He clearly has a lot of support. He's not going to certainly, certainly not going to run as a um, moderate. And I don't yeah. think he's even going to run as like an O'Toole type. He's going to run as a conservative, but I don't think he's going to be a, a social conservative zealot. Um, because I think that's going to be taken up by other people. Um, and I think what he's going to try to do is do what O'Toole did to win the leadership in some ways, although be more conservative, which is to say, um, you know, run as something of a moderate, but, but, but make sure to have that second ballot and third ballot support from the social conservatives, Mm. which is what made the difference for O'Toole, right? Like he was able to get the Lewis supporters and the Sloan supporters to back him and not Peter McKay. So it's a very real possibility that he could be, you know, leading the conservative party and, and there's a very oh, yeah, real possibility he could be he could be premier, uh, prime minister. And that yeah. is not a Canada that we want to have happen. That That yeah. is definitely a step yeah. in the wrong direction. Right where, now, if we were to look at it, he would be the favorite to become the leader. But if he was to become the leader, there is also a a chance that it, it, it doesn't it maybe we right now it would be a status quo parliament. Uh, yeah. The difference would be that the Liberals would have a few less seats, them about the same, and the NDP a few more. Uh, so he mm-hmm. would be in the exact same position as O'Toole, which was to be like you know the leader of the opposition uh, in a, a strong Liberal minority government. Yeah, and it would be interesting to see what damage he could actually do there. But this is definitely you know a step in a direction that is is not great for Canadians. And just to to finish us off here, running a a little bit late here, uh, while we're recording, I don't know if you saw this, Christo, a nice little message, a little little note from Jason Kenney, Alberta Premier, talking about the stigmatization of the unvaccinated. His words, it reminds me of attitudes that circulated in North America in the mid-1980s about people with HIV and AIDS. There's a notion that they have to be kind of distanced for health reasons. So this horrible conservative man invoking the HIV and AIDS epidemic about the unvaccinated yeah. across Canada. So and we'll, Scott we'll leave Moe, you with that. We, 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 yeah, we, and also Scott Moe saying that, uh, you know, we've never in the history of Saskatchewan had two classes of people uh, <laughs> referring to the vaccinated and unvaccinated. Of oh course, ignoring uh, racial... In Saskatchewan! Ingen- yeah, in yeah. fucking Saskatchewan! Indigenous All right, folks. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, we can't, it's we too, can't, much, yeah, too much yeah. for me today. Bye, we'll, everybody. We'll, we'll Bye. talk to <laughs> you next week. See ya. Yeah.